I think it's important to destigmatize talking about money. This is a topic that brings up so much shame and self-consciousness for people. And, and I've seen that response from people regardless of how much money they have in the bank account. And anything that you can do to just normalize talking very frankly about money, right? Acknowledging discrepancies in income, acknowledging how privilege affects your access to money. The earlier you can have these conversations, I think the better. And ideally, you're in relationship with someone or building a new relationship with someone where the two of you can be a team and can collaborate on ways to help make the ways that you spend money together feel appropriate, feel relaxing, and feel like it's supporting your relationship rather than making it a drag. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. Whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about how financial pressures are changing the dating landscape. As people are looking for more cost-effective ways to connect with potential partners, we're going to be looking at some dating trends, discussing how to have a good date, especially how to have a good date without breaking the bank, and sharing some creative and inexpensive date ideas. So we're here to help everyone to not feel held back by financial limitations when it comes to dating, whether that's new partners or if in your existing relationship, you want to start getting out there in the world and having nicer dates to connect with each other. Why are we talking about this? Is because everybody's broke. Everybody's broke, but the millionaires yep. <laughs> and the billionaires. <laughs> right. <laughs> everybody's broke, all of us and all of us working class folks. Well, that looming potential of the R word recession has been happening for, oh, I think, two, three years now. Hmm. I'm not sure if it's actually ever going to happen, but... Things are really expensive. And I think even just to go yeah. to a restaurant, like the restaurant that I work at, a freaking shake is $15 now. Okay, well, we have to clarify. I, I know, Emily I'm in Los works Angeles. at like a fancy vegan restaurant in Los Angeles. Well, but Denneker, that's also not totally surprising to me. But not like fine no. dining fancy. It's like yes. casual dining, but still When I expensive. started, that yeah. shake was, I think it was $8. So the difference mm -hmm. in a decade yeah. is staggering. That's in that's incredible. It's almost double what it was. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. The Skinny Confidential, which is a podcast that you enjoy, Emily. Mm -hmm. Like months ago, she launched a, a pink drink that she started selling at Air One, which oh, is a super fancy grocery store in Los Angeles, charging twenty dollars a pop. And I'm just like, geez, what's the multi amory drink gonna be? What drink can we release and charge people $20 a pop? Well, we're not we'll going to... Yeah, I know. We're not going to go to Air One, that's for sure. Goodness. <laughs> anyway, so yes, things be rough out here. We're ballers on a budget, as the phrase does go. So there's this term that was coined by the dating app Plenty of Fish called infladate, infladating. I want it to be called inflated dating. Inflated, inflated dating. Inflated dating. 
That's where you just date <laughs> blow-up dolls, oh, I think. Oh, right. I like that. That's like that one movie with yes. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the one. The real yeah, the girl. Girl. Lars and the Lars Real, and the real girl. girl. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So they coined that term inflated inflated the date infladating to refer to intentionally going on less expensive dates due to the rising costs of goods and gas. They only said goods and gas. I'm going to put housing in there as well. Mm. Good point. Yeah, it makes it hard. Makes it hard to throw down cash on a date. Oh, absolutely. So we're going to throw a lot of statistics and things with numbers because this is about numbers. It's about money. We're going to throw a lot of that at you today. So our first statistical study thing was a Match.com Singles in America study. And they threw out a lot of things like the fact that dating is now 40% more expensive than it was 10 years ago. And I think that kale shake that I was just talking about is a huge, great example. <laughs> Even more so. And that, you know, Jace and I got, at the time, it was a really great apartment for like 18, uh, what was it, 1850, I think. And now the apartment that I live in now is double that. And it's mm-hmm. the same size. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Gosh. So I just, it, it's so expensive just to live in this country, to live in any country probably. Also, things like 30% of people out there are more interested in financially stable partners and 23% appreciate frugal people more than they did before. And now we'll talk about what that exactly means because financial stability doesn't necessarily just mean that a person has a lot of money or that they have enough money, whatever that may mean to you. But it also means that they are responsible with their money. And that that's seen as a really attractive thing to people now, maybe more than it even was before. And so, you know, you might have gone out with people in the past and they may have thrown a ton of money at a date and that felt really good and cool. But now it may be a different thing where you're like, hey, this person is really responsible with their money. I know that they're they're not splashing out all the time. They're not living, you know, maybe above their means or right at their means. They're being responsible with their cash. Yeah, I, I thought that one was really interesting to see that people specifically rated that as like more interesting yeah. in a partner and more attractive. Is And I love that it's stability. It's not just richer, but stability, right? It's that like, I see them making good decisions and that's attractive to me. Possibly because I think a lot of us have either ourselves or seen other people that we know make some really not good financial decisions over the last several years and end up really hurting because of it. And so I think just noticing that trend is really interesting and to me reiterates how important it is to talk about money in a very practical and matter of fact and honest way, just in general. I'm not even saying on your dates, although we'll talk about that a little bit later in this episode too, but just having those conversations that most of us aren't ever taught to have or or taught that it's a taboo. I hope that this leads to some changes in that area. Additionally, according to this Match.com Singles in America study, it said that 84% of people prefer simpler casual dates to fancy whining and dining. So again, it's more, let's do something fun and casual, and that's totally okay. So we have some specific numbers from this same survey. Now, these dollar amounts seem low to me, but you you let me know what y'all think. Yeah. 
So they make the claim that singles are spending an average of $130 a month on dating. So they break this down in the f- the full spectrum of the country, not necessarily like Seattle or Los Angeles where we live. Well, sure. Yeah. If they're taking a mean, right. a- like, do they say if this is a mean average, a median average? They do okay. not specify. In I'm going to assume a mean yeah. average yeah. here. So they break this down to $51 a month on dating apps and the dates themselves, $40 a month on appearance slash grooming, and $39 a month on clothes slash accessories for dates. It just strikes me that there's probably a very wide range of what people are spending because let's say if you're someone who maybe you are used to never paying for dates, you know, it could be, oh, yeah, I spend zero dollars a month on the dates themselves, but I spend a lot more money on appearance and grooming or on clothes or accessories for dates or or things like that. Right. Or mm. if you're used to taking someone out for a very expensive, very fancy date where you're probably spending much more than fifty one dollars a month, you know, so there could be a very wide range to this. But it's interesting that that that's this is how it shakes out in the average also, 25 to 30 percent reported being more open to free activities or things like home-cooked meals, coffee dates, and inexpensive restaurants than before. And, and in this case, the before is before the pandemic is the kind of metric they used for this one. I should have clarified that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. I think, again, so many of us got so used to doing things at home and our date nights became takeout time or ordering a bottle or of wine. Yeah, exactly. Like having a nice bottle of wine with a home-cooked meal. And I think we're probably much more used to that now and used to the idea of just continuing that. Also, this is an interesting trend. 87% of people say that it's important for both partners to prioritize mental health. And I think that's really interesting because it's nice to look at things like mental health coming before and being more important than just the opportunity to wine and dine and spend a lot of money on a partner or on yourself, that instead mental health is going to be the more important thing. And then maybe we can spend more money on prioritizing things like mental health. I was just looking at some of the raw numbers from the study, actually, to answer that question about spending. And I do see that this is probably a mean and that 58% of the people in the survey said they spend $0 on going on dates. And so, yeah, actually, probably four people going on dates, that number is probably at least twice as high as what that actually said there. But yeah, it can be an expensive thing to do for sure. Some other kind of fun stits and stats from this study that I just thought were interesting but aren't completely relevant to what we're talking about, although uh, maybe they're they're good uh, conversation starters. So one is that 53% of people in the survey said that they're open to long-distance relationships. And 33% of those said that that stance changed during the pandemic. So basically, a lot more people are open now to long-distance relationships than they were before, which I thought was interesting. And that also people are more likely to want to explore their own sexuality. So for that, 54% of Gen Z and 47% of millennials, which are quite high numbers, I think, of people wanting to explore and figure out what their sexuality is, which I think is a fantastic number to see there. However, this one surprised me a little. 31% said that their sexual interests have become more vanilla since the Mm -hmm. pandemic, and especially Gen Z. 
it was sort of like, yeah, we were doing all sorts of weird <laughs> shit before, but now I just want something simple. Interesting. And you know? <laughs> That's interesting. That's how you read uh, that. But there were also 18% who said they got more mm. kinky since before the pandemic. So I think maybe maybe it's more just that people kind of either really wanted to explore that more or like, okay, I just want something calm and predictable mm-hmm. right now. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. And then the last one here that I thought was really cool was that 56% of respondents said that they want a partner who supports people's freedom to identify with a different gender identity than the one they were assigned at birth. And I think this is worth pointing out that this is a match.com yeah, study. really interesting. Right? So this is not a, a particularly left-leaning data mm-hmm. set, I don't think. Um, so that to me is really cool and encouraging to see that that, that trend even though there's still more work to be done in this area, that at least from people who are single in America being surveyed by Match.com, that's a majority that feel like that's not just their own value, but that they want a partner who supports that. I thought that was really neat. So if you're out there and wondering, how the heck do I have a good date, regardless of what my financial situation is, we're here to talk about some of that. There was a study in the Journal of Consumer Psychology called A Recipe for Friendship by Wooly and Fischbach, and it was talking about how eating similar foods can promote trust, which is really interesting because I have dated a lot of people and am currently dating someone who is not vegan like I am, and that is something mm. that's that's kind of interesting from time to time because we have to always find places that we can go that have vegan options for me and more often than not Mm -hmm. he's not really interested in those vegan options so we have to not just cater to what i need but also cater to him and what he is looking for as well and so it's interesting that this is about like no if you're eating similar things then that's promoting trust but Mm -hmm. the study was fun they did four different little studies about food the first one was participants were at a table And they were given similar or different foods. And then they also were playing a trust game. And the people who ate the same food reported trusting each other more in that game that they were playing. Did they say what the game was? Were they doing trust falls immediately after (laughs) eating together? That sounds like bad for for health. I'm not sure. I, I don't have all of the details about the game, but it was, they called it an investment mm-hmm. game to measure trust in your game partner. Interesting. So I'm, I'm not quite sure how it goes, but the point of the game was just that it does involve having to trust the other person in order to make certain decisions. So it wasn't even that they reported trusting the other person more, but that they saw from their behavior in the game, they did more of the trusting actions than the distrusting actions uh, if they were eating the same foods at huh. the table. The second one, similar idea where this time they had people either eating the same food or different food, and they did a simulated labor negotiation. So basically like one party was representing like the union and the other is representing, you know, the the bargaining company for the shareholders mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and that they found when they were eating the same food, they had more positive and more productive discussions for both sides. Wow. The third one was uh, they had someone give a testimonial about a product that was not food related. And that person giving the testimonial was either eating the same foods as the people listening or different foods. And that if they were eating the same, people trusted their testimonial more about a non-food related thing. And then the last one is just that when people saw other people eating the same food as each other, they perceived that those two probably trust each other more 
than if they were wearing the same color shirt was kind of their other option that that didn't really have sorry i'm gonna get hung up on the details here is it like we're both sitting around the same bowl of peanut m&ms like eating from the same plate or is that we both have our individual bowls of peanut m&ms is it about the same type of food or that we're eating literally the same piece of food like are we both biting into a turkey leg at the same time i'm assuming same type of food yeah it's like if like if we're having pizza we're both having pizza Right. It's not like you're having a steak and sure, I'm having a burger sure. or something like that. Yes. I think yeah. that makes sense, because if you think about like a family coming together to eat a meal, you know, you're all sort of having mm. the same foods from that meal. And it does have this sense yeah. of like camaraderie and I guess intent for we're, we're coming together and having this like moment that's important for all of us. And that if you're not eating the same foods, maybe it's questioning, I don't know, like, this. Per- does this person even like where I took them? Are they mm-hmm. enjoying what they're eating? Mm-hmm. I, You know, if you order the same thing and you both get to talk about my experience and your experience of having the same thing, there's there's a touchstone there to a degree. Okay, yeah. So if we extrapolate out to how do we make this into a cheap, affordable date, it, like, it sounds like it's either about either just very simply just ordering the same thing or something very similar or sharing the things that you're ordering or I think the old classic of, oh, let's make a meal together. So we're eating the same thing, Mm. right? Like make a meal together at home. Yeah, part of the point of some of these things we wanted to talk about here is not, like this whole thing isn't about just how to do dates cheaply because there are lots of articles about that. And in the second half, we're going to talk about some ideas that are, at least we think are a little bit better than the usual, like, have a picnic suggestion that everyone likes to give. But just in general, if you're having a date, realizing there are, are other things that can make dates mm. good besides just how much money you spend on them or where you go. So I think that's kind of the the point of this is looking at, you know, how can we make our experiences and our conversations more about connecting to each other on the date, which fits with that thing that what was it? 84% of people said they want a simpler, more casual date because they want to get to know someone, not just be impressed yeah. by someone. And so that that idea of of what, what we can do, and I just thought this was interesting. It reminded me of another study that I read about a couple years ago, I think, that was about ordering beer. And they did this study where they would have groups of people who would either you know, go to a, a brewery or something that had a lot of different beer choices and each person in the group would order their beers like they normally would. And then in the other group, everyone would write down their order secretly on a piece of paper and hand it in. And what they found is if people wrote theirs down secretly, that more people ended up ordering the same thing versus, oh, someone else ordered that beer? Let me get something different. Which I think for us as Americans, at least, is our default response. It's like, oh, someone else got that? I can't get it. I should get something else. And what they found is that in the group where people did it secretly, not only did more people get the same beers, but also afterward, people reported liking their choices Mm. better and not regretting their choices as much. And it's just fascinating to me in contrast to, right, right, in contrast to some other countries too, like in Japan, where it's very much the opposite of like, if one person orders something, the tendency is that everyone else in the group is going to order the same thing, even if they don't like it or like can't even eat it. Whoa. Like we we had that experience going out to dinner with some people where one guy was like, I actually can't eat what that is. Cause we're like, oh, why aren't you right. eating it? And he just kind of picked at what he could 
But it was just that like Ex- weird. No, I just have to go with this thing because everyone else yeah. ordered it. Yeah. yeah. Or like we, I went out to dinner with um, some people for work, and there was four of us there, and they were we were looking at the menu and asking me what I wanted. And I was like, I guess I think this one looks nice, and they just immediately turned to the server and said, Yeah, oh four gosh, of those, yeah, please. the number of times I was just like, <laughs> especially in Japan, I didn't realize I was ordering it for everybody. Been out with friends, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, like they, yeah, yeah, it's just like, okay, oh, oh, okay, I guess we're all drinking the same thing. Wow. But what I will say is cool about it and makes sense with the trust thing is that you have this shared experience then. So you have something to talk about of, oh, I thought this part of it was really mm-hmm. good. Or, oh, what do you think of this flavor? It like gives us a common ground to start from, which made this study make a lot of sense than reading about this and going, yeah, no, I, actually, that does make a lot of sense. It's like, I know that you and I have had at least this one common experience. <laughs> oh, we can have other there. ones, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's how you can hack your food choices, your food and your drink choices, <laughs> I suppose, when you're on a date. Uh, so a survey from last year found that 75% of people who were going on dates found that if the other person answered their phone, they thought that that was a turnoff, uh, more than half didn't even want to see the other person's phone face up on the table. And that gets to me for sure. Like if your phone is face up, I can see all your notifications. You can see all your notifications. There's no way you're not going to get distracted by that. It's kind of perfectly designed to distract you from the moment that you're in. Uh, And then they found that 45% of daters thought that keeping your phone off and away was a turn on. I like to take this to an extreme, maybe an unreasonable extreme, (laughs) because I like if I go to the bathroom and I come back and you're not on your phone, I'm extremely turned on. Mm. Just, okay, just to know. She's ready to good take to you know. back into the bathroom, <laughs> everyone and... out there. <laughs> well, I just, I don't know. I like being intentional about our time and our focus these days. And I think it's just so easy for all of us, whereas as soon as there's a free moment, as soon as there is a moment where we could be bored or there could be no stimulation, just immediately, oh, I got this. Okay, great. On the phone, right? Yeah. And whatever. If you do that, it's fine. We all do it. They've all trained us very well to do that. But I think if I see someone who has the wherewithal to resist that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Wow. The next one that we looked at was the concept of having conversations about more difficult and vulnerable topics. This has been shown to lead to more satisfying and fun conversations than sticking to the easy, safe stuff like sports, TV, weather, siblings, small talk, whatever the heck. And this is really interesting. I found with a person that I dated when I was non-monogamous, our very first date, we hit it off really well. And we started talking about the fact that his mother had early onset Alzheimer's and that she was in a home, even though she was pretty young. And, you know, I started crying and I just was like very moved. And like, I had just met this guy, but it was a really like from right off the bat just made the two of us I think pretty close after that and I've Mm. stayed in contact with this person and you know we talk to each other from time to time and and it's cool I think having those intense conversations and sometimes money can be a potentially intense conversation especially if you feel like this is a vulnerable topic that I'm worried about right now or a circumstance in my life has changed all of a sudden and I don't have as much money as I once did, just being able to put yourself out there and talk about that I think is really important and could potentially lead to an easier time on future dates, for example. Yeah. So in that vein, we mentioned that 
being able to have conversations about money is just, I think, an important trait just in general for us as people. I, I wish that we all felt more comfortable having those conversations with our friends and family and coworkers and all of that. I think it would ultimately benefit all of us. But also when it comes to a date, we did kind of want to talk about, you know, it's one thing to talk with an existing partner. For some people, it's still scary. But to talk to an existing partner about, let's look at how we're spending money, or maybe, you know, I make less money than you, so let's you know, talk about how we can balance that, how we can go on dates so that it's not causing stress for me. I think that if that thought is scary to imagine having that in an existing relationship, having it in a brand new relationship can also be really scary, but I think can also be really powerful because it's getting into that, no, let's really talk about our values. Let's talk about the stuff that people don't normally talk about on a first date. And I think one, you can have that really fulfilling instant connection like Emily was talking about, or you really quickly learn this is super yeah, not compatible. It's better to get that out of the way now than, you know, waiting several years in to realize that. And this is hard. I, I think when we're first dating someone, we don't feel super comfortable necessarily to be so explicit about these things. And I think, especially if you're interested in them, it's easy to want to just kind of try to pick up their cues and try to match them, right? Mm. You know, so that means I've mm. done a lot of dating where early on in the relationship, I just kind of pick up on this cue of, ooh, maybe sounds like maybe money is tight for them. Um, or I see that they chose to buy this thing, but not that thing. Or maybe they mentioned passively something about money. So I'm just going to kind of tailor myself to meet them on that level and maybe I'll suggest cheaper things to do or vice versa. Like, oh, wow, this person's a big spender. Or I perceive that maybe they have a lot of cash or a lot of income stability. And so I need to play along with that or I need to catch up to that or I need to keep up with that to a certain extent. That's how I've gotten in some bad situations, really financially overextending myself mm. on dates with people, yeah. you know, without talking about these things. This is not an easy conversation to talk about. So we've gathered just a couple of like sample lines I almost call them pickup lines, sample lines that you can trot out to just to serve as openers for this conversation. Again, it, it doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be comfortable and okay, but like maybe some things to try out because I do think probably talking about money earlier on in a new relationship is better. Something I realized the other day is when we think about financial entanglement or financial entwinement, we tend to think about things like buying a house together or having a joint bank account together. But really, if you think about it, you can get financially entwined with someone from your first date because you're spending money together, chances are. Or you're having to make decisions mm -hmm. about spending money together. It's probably not too long before you're deciding together, what are we going to do tonight? Are we going to go out to a movie? Are we going to go to this music festival? Are we going to go on a weekend trip? It's like immediately you're having to make money decisions together even if you're not at that point of deciding to fully entangle your bank accounts, and maybe you never will be. And so this is still a relevant conversation to have. So one of the just lines that you could throw out there is to sort of assess right off the bat what your financial expectations are with another person. So you could say something like, I think it's cool if we can both feel relaxed about money when we're dating. Let's chat about how we can have a good time without stressing over cash. What do you think? I like this because it sort of invites the other person in immediately. 
and it's providing collaboration as opposed to just saying, well, I can't spend money on that right now because of X. But what is your situation? Mm -hmm. Here's mine. What do you think about this? I really like the emphasis on positive outcome and positive feelings, like this idea that the whole point of bringing Mm -hmm. this up is so we can both feel relaxed about money during this part of the process instead of putting the emphasis on, oh, my God, I'm so stressed. We need to stop spending money. Right. Sure. And whatever. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's what you say. But I really like that sort of collaborative feeling of this is for a good purpose so that we both can feel chill. Yeah. I'd say another one taking that even a step deeper is to say something like, I think that being open about how we think about money can actually help us get to know each other better. I am really into saving and being responsible. You could even throw in the like being financially responsible thing, right? I'm all about saving and not going overboard with spending because that's important to me to have stability. How do you feel about money in relationships? You know, what was your relationship to that growing up? Anything to start that conversation in a more general way about your values. I'm like, gosh, what a what an intense, powerful conversation that could be if you're able to have that on your first date or or an early date. Uh, so another line we have is just you can be proactive about finding an inexpensive date or activity that you can go on, right? So you can do the research of, hey, I found this awesome event, activity, place to go, you know, et cetera. Insert what you found there and just say, hey, you know, we could do this together. It's pretty affordable or it's free. Uh, are you up for it? Now, bear in mind that using terms like affordable and or unaffordable or cheap or expensive, that's all going to be subjective depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. So I would say be mindful about projecting your definition of affordable onto somebody else because to them it may not be, right? So but finding some kind of mindful language about it, you know, if you even want to take ownership of like, hey, I found this thing and and it fits perfectly in my budget for dating this month or whatever it is you want to say, like make it kind of about you rather than about the other person. It's important as well from pretty early on, I think, to be transparent about the possibility of splitting costs or just have a conversation about how exactly you're going to go about doing that. So say something like, I've really enjoyed our dates and I thought that we could talk about how we handle the money side of things. Are you cool with splitting the bill or taking turns paying? Let's just figure out what works best for both of us. So you might do something like pitch that you'll cover dinner if they pick up dessert at Salt and Straw or something. That might be a good way to set up the conversation, for example. And then you can kind of go from there. Yeah, I I think I've worked with some clients who have ended up in distress where like they started dating someone and maybe they came in with this expectation of, ooh, I'm I'm happy to treat someone for the first couple dates, but then once we get to a certain point, I expect that we're gonna be splitting the cost, or maybe they're gonna pick up the tab sometimes and then they don't, and then they don't, and then they don't, and I don't know how to bring it up and oh God, I keep paying for all the dates and it's just expected that I keep paying for all the dates, right? But no one wants to have the conversation suddenly like, hey, start paying your share or whatever that sometimes giving right. a more tangible suggestion of, hey, oh, hey, if I get dinner, do you mind picking up dessert? Right. You know, yeah. like the example that Emily gave can be a good way to at least start breaking out of that pattern. If you feel like you're mm-hmm. stuck and you don't necessarily feel like you have the wherewithal to have the direct conversation quite yet. Ideally, you're going to be proactive about it kind of from the beginning. 
if you can, especially if you're going into a new dating prospect or thinking about getting back out there in some way, maybe you can start having these conversations from the very beginning as opposed to letting it get really far down the line and you're like, shit, I just spent thousands of dollars on this person and it's really going above right, my means. I didn't feel like I could talk yeah. about it. Yeah. And I just one thing I'd want to add to this too is as someone who in my adult life have had times of making pretty good money and also being super broke and in debt, that I think having these conversations where even if we're not at the point where we're so comfortable, it's just like, how much money do you make? Here's what I make. Let's let's work things out from there. Because I feel like that that's asking a lot. Even even for me as someone who's like, we should all talk about this more. That's that's a hard conversation to imagine having. But being able to have some kind of context for that conversation too, because just how much someone makes doesn't necessarily determine how much free income they have, right? Because we don't know what someone else's family obligations, medical obligations, previous debts, you know, health, anything like that, right? We don't know the whole story. But being able to have some kind of a conversation like, you know, hey, right now I'm trying to get back on track financially and so I'm really trying to keep my spending low, at least gives them clues as to the context you're coming from. Or on the other hand, it could be like, you know what, I, I'm doing well right now, actually, I'm in a good financial situation, and so I'm happy to pick up a little more of this or to pay a little bit more often, but I do want us to work together on what feels good rather than just assuming I'm going to do that because I acknowledge my financial situation might change in the future, so it's important that we have that conversation. I think that makes it so that conversation can feel empowering and try as much as you can to remove that pressure to just like perform that everything's okay mm. all the time. Or like if you ask to split it and they're like, oh, uh, sure, I guess I'll do that. And then for them, that's a super difficult thing because of the, you know, you're getting kale shakes at Emily's <laughs> restaurant and you know suddenly you're, you're thousands of dollars in debt. It's ridiculous. Gosh. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go on and look at some ways that this shows up specifically in non-monogamy. And then we're going to get into some of our ideas for having cheaper more affordable dates that are still fun and cool and interesting, whether that's with a new partner or an existing one. But first, we're going to take a quick break to talk about some ways that you can help support this show. If this is content, you enjoy us being able to put out into the world for free for everybody every week. And to do that, just take a moment, check out our sponsors for this. If any are interesting to you, go check them out. But it really does help us to get the sponsorship from those sponsors and to be able to keep putting this out there into the world. So thank you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store. 
and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back and we're going to be talking about the intersection of spending money on dates, inflation, and non-monogamy because, hey, guess what? When you have multiple partners or multiple opportunities to be going on dates, sometimes the costs and the expense can just exponentially increase. Now, it's so it's not just that. It's not necessarily just about, ooh, okay, more partners, more dates equals more expense. But there are definitely... I think situations unique, dynamics unique to non-monogamy when it comes to money and spending that we encounter quite a lot. So one example is maybe you're in a relationship where one partner just has more money or access to money than the other person. And so what this can mean is the person who has access to more money has more ability more opportunity, more options for being able to spend on multiple partners, right? Whether that's paying for dates or paying for weekend getaways or for bigger travel or things like that. I remember being in a relationship once where, you know, I was with someone who made significantly more money than I did. And that was really hard because the fact that for me, if I wanted to travel with a partner, I really had to be choosy about when that was and who that was with versus my partner was much more able to be like, I'll do a weekend getaway with six different people, you know, or or I can do multiple international trips a year with multiple people. And so that was definitely challenging for me at the time. So like, I think this is definitely a dynamic that people have to think about and have to be aware of. I think this one's worth pointing out that this shows up not only in non-monogamous relationships, but also just in any kind of dating where whether it's about dates with other people or just your means to be able to have fancy dinners and buy nice things or not, that that difference can come up. But in non-monogamy, there's that like extra level of either feeling like this gives you access to more dates or better dates or something like that. And it that can be a challenge. So I wanted to talk real quick about that in your situation, Dedeker, and in other relationships you've been in. What are some ways that you've found to have those better conversations about that or things you've done with your clients or anything like that? Boy, well, in my situation, we didn't have any good conversations about it, unfortunately. Yeah, I was well, like, sure, not I wonder in that if relationship. it didn't yeah. go great, yeah. actually. No, that was hard. Um, I don't know. When I work with clients on this, I find it really depends on the context of people's financial situations because this gets more complex depending on, you know, are we 
entangling finances or not? Like, does one of us have stable income and the other one doesn't have stable income? And like our own personal spending habits and budgeting habits and stuff like that. And so often I'm working with people to try to figure out a custom solution. But really, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to being able to understand and to highlight the fact that that discrepancy is there. Mm. Like, I think people get a lot of mileage out of just being able to highlight the fact that, hey, I'm in a position where it's harder for me to go treat a partner, you know, to dinner, right? Or it's harder for me to go on a weekend getaway because I don't have as much money, right? You know, I think really it's about just making sure that there's mutual understanding there, mutual understanding of the impact of that. And once there's mutual understanding, then the two of you can actually collaborate on, is there something that would help make that discrepancy or that dynamic feel better to the two of us? But it's this is a tricky one. I, I, like, I'm I'm sorry to say, maybe this is a cop out, but I'm sorry to say I don't have a snappy formula for what's going to solve that. And I think like Jay said, this is something that people have to deal with even in monogamous relationships, right? Or one person just has more money than the other. Another really challenging scenario that I think might happen when there are partners that are nesting or partners that are entangled maybe in more of a hierarchical situation, not necessarily, but that's where this example kind of took me and took my my thought process was if one partner spends more money on a certain person than the other. And that's got to be probably really tough to deal with. For example, if you are living with someone and you have a family trip every year with that person, and that's just a longstanding thing that you do, but you don't necessarily do it with your secondary partner or your non-nesting partner, that can be challenging to view on a yearly basis or on a bi-yearly basis or whatever it is. I think that that can be really difficult. Or, you know, you you go to a family reunion or you get together for holidays or something along those lines that it ends up that the money is not being spent on you in the way that it is on the other person. And that's a really internal, like specific conflict that I think is a potential in a lot of different relationships. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of see that happen on the other side. Like, I think my mind went the mm. opposite direction of yours, Emily. Reminds that one of, you know, we're in this relationship that's been going on for a long time. And now I see you going on all these fancy, sure. fun, extravagant, interesting mm-hmm. dates with a new person. The NRA and with me, too. we just watch Netflix. Yeah. You yeah, know, right. It's like, right. Uh, hold on, wait, you're spending all your free money on this other person and not on me. But I think it's interesting that you could even end up in a situation where both partners might feel like, oh, but you're spending more time investing in bigger trips yeah. with this person while they're jealous that you're spending more nice, fancy dates with this other one. So I think, again, it's a really good example of a thing that just leaving it up to everyone sort of guessing and assuming is not really going to get you very far. And being able to have more concrete conversations about how do we make this feel good for everybody? You know, how how can we make it affordable and also Mm -hmm. feel good for everyone? And again, it's having those honest money conversations that it's just so important. I think this is also a hard thing where, again, even if you're not formally, legally, financially entwined with someone, the way that you each spend your money can still affect each other. So it's like that's one fact. 
But then the other fact is, I think, especially Americans, we're all like, get about this. Don't you tell me how to spend my money. Right. If if you're if we're not mm-hmm. financially entwined, like you don't get to dictate what my money choices are. You don't get to be judgy about what my money choices are. And I think there's a tension there that is hard to reconcile. Something that I think can be helped a little bit, though, when you are financially entwined is, you know, on this show, we've often talked in the past about when you're getting in a relationship, there can be this tendency to rush to entwine your finances of like, oh, we should get a you know, a bank account together or something like that. Oh, that that's a marker that we're serious, right? It kind of goes back to the relationship escalator idea that there's just things you do just because you do to show that you're making progress in your relationship. And we often encourage people to not rush into that and to not do that unless it actually does make financial sense for you to do it. However, as a lot of people point out, they're like, but we're already in that situation. You know, maybe we've already been married for 20 years. And we have very entwined finances in a lot of ways. But now knowing that my partner is spending our money to go on dates with somebody else, that feels weird, especially if I feel like I earned more of that money Mm -hmm. or I need it more or something, right? So one thing to look into here that is actually a quite nice and simple way to do it is to look at your bank and open up some separate but connected checking accounts for each of you. And then put in a certain amount of money to that each month or each week or however often, right? And you'll have to figure out what the right amount is. But essentially, the idea is that you each have your own account that has its own cards attached to it that you can spend money from that's just yours that you don't have to check in with your partner about, is it okay to spend this money on this? It's whatever. It's yours to do with what you want. But it's also not hiding it from them because it's still a linked account. So it's like they can see what's in there. So it's not like you're doing it to sneak around or anything like that, but that it's this, you have permission to do what you want with this money and I have my permission to do what I want with this money can be a really empowering option to free up some of that tension when it comes to things like going on dates. So now let's talk about some cheap date ideas Let's let's get the juices flowing and discuss a couple options. <laughs> this first mm. one I really love, and it's actually one that I've done with somebody that I went on a first date with. It was great. And it was to have an outdoor adventure just on that very first date. And you can do it clearly whenever you want on any date or with a longstanding partner as well, because often it's not going to cost anything or maybe it'll cost like the price of parking or something. But it's to go on a hike, for example. Yeah, one of my first dates was on a hike, and it was great because it's gorgeous outside. You get to sweat a little, like smell each other's pheromones and sweat (laughs) and, you know, show (laughs) that you're, I don't know, able to traverse a mountain with someone. And I I really enjoy that. I love going on hikes with people. I will say there was a period in my life where in Los Angeles, I lived right outside the entrance to Runyon Canyon. Yeah, yeah and you were lucky that then. was Yeah, that was great because it was both cheap and I could be really lazy in the sense that I could <laughs> Just be like, get up and go. hey, right. yeah, let's go. Let's take we a hike through Runyon yoga. Canyon. Yeah, yeah yoga right. Dates. There's free yoga also yeah. in Runyon Canyon, right? So like great date ideas where I could literally just like roll out of bed and be at the date in like 30 seconds and they would never know. They would never know. We wouldn't have to worry about parking or anything like that. That's a little bit harder here in Seattle where we don't have a lot of good weather for 
doing outdoor adventure dates. Ironically, everyone is very outdoorsy here. Um, I, I still haven't quite made the transition. Yeah. yeah. But I think also outdoor. So we want to get outdoor ideas out of the way first, because I think that's the one you hear all the time. Like anytime I've looked into like cheap date ideas, it's always like, go on a picnic, go on a hike, go to the beach, you know, whatever it is. And I think it's cool. And I do think those are great ideas, but also depending where you live, it's not always a realistic mm. option, like Dedeker said. And also just depending on your own physical situation, that might not be a practical option for you. I mean, getting fresh air is great, uh, but that's not always a perfect option for anyone, which is why we have so many more ideas here as well. The next one we have is one of my favorites, which is to do a movie night, but instead of just a normal movie night, you make it a little mini film festival for two or three or, you know, however many you want to have at your movie night. So there's a couple different ways to approach this. So one is you brainstorm together and you come up with maybe two movies on a theme or the way like Dedeker and I do it is we'll try to pick two movies that have the same actor or maybe the same director or even the same composer or like something that ties the two together, but maybe they're very different from each other. And then you make a little film festival. We also like to come up with fun names for our film festivals. So they have like a pun in the name, like our Tom Hanks one was called Hanks for the Memories. Just like goofy things like that. It was like a long that. pandemic, folks. To make it was it... a really long no, pandemic. No, I love that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, another idea that uh, I, I read a suggestion online that I really liked was that you pick a theme and then each of you picks one of the movies. And so that can also be fun to creatively figure out like what's a weird thing I can pick that fits the theme. And... If you have a long night, you could do both on one night, or you could also do them on separate nights. Like We'll often split our film festival up on a couple different days because who's got time to watch two movies on one night? Got other stuff to we do. We split like know. Lord of the Rings up uh, on two separate days. It's just too long, my goodness. Yeah, boy, yeah, it's too long, yeah. But the idea here is to find a way to make it fun. So it's not just like, oh, I guess we'll just watch a movie. But it's like, how do we make it a, an event? Maybe make some special treat for it or you know, give little speeches before the festival about why you I know that sounds this, like a silly example, film, but yeah. literally that's what we do. Love we that. do that. Yeah, Did and still do to keep ourselves entertained. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. When you come up for our yeah. book release event, we should do a film festival <laughs> with sure. little speeches sure. beforehand. So I really liked that. And this was a suggestion from the Gottman Institute. I don't mean the Gottman Institute. I mean, actually, John and Julie Gottman themselves told a story of when they were first dating, that there was a specific hotel in downtown Seattle where they would go and they would just order one drink in the bar at the hotel and just like nurse that drink for a couple hours so that they could hang out in the hotel in like these nice swanky surroundings and talk to each other and, you know, pretend they were staying at the hotel so that no one would bother them. And Jason, and I actually went and did that. We went to that same hotel and oh, it was wow. quite nice. I think that's a good hack, right? Where it's like we eat dinner at home so that we're not spending a ton of money, but then we go treat ourselves to like a fancy dessert or a drink in like nice, cool ambiance, right? So we can kind of feel rich mm -hmm. without being rich. There you go. You could kind of maybe role play about like, oh, yes, I'm here doing a big business deal, merging a couple companies together. What are you here for? You know, you could do a role that's play. My, okay, that's my deal, though. For me, a good date. I love good ambiance. I love good ambiance. We don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. It can be a drink. But I, I get a lot of juice out of just hanging out in a place with good ambiance. So I'm all about hacking 
just doing the one drink minimum and then hanging out there forever. One of my favorites is to go to karaoke. And depending, I mean, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. I know that there's a place that the three of us have been to a lot where they do have a two drink minimum, but the drinks are like 10 bucks or eight bucks or something. They're quite cheap. And then you just sing your heart out, (laughs) which is, you know, in some instances challenging. And then in others, it's like, wow, that person is so talented. It's awesome. So I I highly recommend karaoke if that's something that you enjoy to do. Yeah. Another one that I really enjoy is looking for local events. So this is like finding out whatever your local independent newspaper is, like find out their website or whatever, where they list local events. And at least for me, I think the more local, the better. And so something that Dedeker and I have done over the past couple years since we moved to the neighborhood of Burien in Washington, which is a little bit south of Seattle, is it has this like little quaint downtown and they actually have like an art walk every month. And every few months, it's also a wine walk along with the art walk. And what's cool about it is the art walk is free and the wine walk is also quite affordable. Uh, And, you know, you get to have samples of wine as you walk down the little downtown area and stop into different shops. Uh, But we found that because it's this local, like super local, quaint, unique little thing that friends will often come to. It's not that weird. Like, I think sometimes we worry that, oh, if I want to take you to some free thing that people are like, "Uh, okay, is it cool? And it's like, that's weird. It's almost like because it's so weird and small that it's more fun. Or like we've started going to some like summertime, like collegiate baseball games. That's like college baseball players in the summer do these like summer teams with players from different schools all playing together in this league. That's all, it's silly, it's fun, super cheap. I think tickets are $8 or something like that. And it's just this goofy, silly thing to get to go do. And it also helps us feel like we're more part of our community and just have more unique stories to tell. So that's something I really enjoyed. One of my favorite things to do is go ice skating. You can also go roller skating, which was like a huge thing in the 90s. And I think then there was roller derby had a big resurgence. And now I haven't heard about it very Mm. often, probably (laughs) because of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, there's still roller derby for sure. I do think it had a moment. It had a moment. It definitely had a big moment. Yeah. I think that some people who have never done that before, it can be kind of cute. And, you know, you get to hold hands or you have to hang on to each other for (laughs) dear life so you don't fall. And if you do, then that's kind of cute and fun. And, oh, are you okay? Let me help you up. (laughs) Yeah. That can be a bonding experience for sure. Yeah. I had a very good roller skate date once. Sadly, that relationship didn't turn into anything. I was very, very into her. But the roller skating date was nice. fantastic. Nice. It was so much fun. Um, I personally, I'm a huge fan of, I guess it, this goes along with the hack about just going and treating yourself to one fancy drink. But I'm I'm very much the same of like, go treat yourself to like one fancy thing from the grocery store that you're going to incorporate mm-hmm. into your meal that you cook at home. Like it's still going to be more affordable than overpaying for a meal at a restaurant or getting drinks at a bar just like find one fancy ingredient to incorporate just to add that little bit of like specialness on a date night to help it stand out from the rest of your time yeah a few other ones to think about are uh, looking for free days at cultural institutions so like museums zoos botanical gardens things like that in a lot of cities if 
<laughs> Unless you, of course, live in one of those countries where those are free all the time, which is super cool. Yeah, super cool for you. But if you're I'm like that happens, super cool for you. <laughs> oh yeah, nice. yeah. Oh yes, in yeah. countries that support the arts, you know. <laughs> it. Yeah, right. Right. Imagine that. But even in countries like ours that don't often do that, um, often they'll have like a day each month. Maybe the last Thursday of each month or something like that where they'll be free. Things like that are really cool opportunities. Also looking for opportunities to do something together that's meaningful to you. So volunteering together, maybe helping build a home for Habitat for Humanity or something like that, right? Getting out there, doing something together, looking for free events at your local bookstores or libraries, is actually a weirdly cool one. You can sometimes find some pretty cool little talks and activities at local bookstores, local art galleries, local libraries, things like that. And something I will throw out there is that in my experience, even sometimes the ones where the event actually kind of sucked, like it wasn't organized well, the whole thing was kind of a mess, can actually end up being really fun things that become little inside jokes and memes for you after going on that date of like, Oh boy, that really fell apart there when they tried to organize, you know, community members reading stories and that one person told that really inappropriate thing or, you know, whatever it is, you can get these little jokes and fun things out of that. So, yeah, we could go on. Of course, the internet is just going to be crawling with ideas for affordable dates or affordable dates in your area. I think the main takeaway we want people to have is that you can get creative about these things. And it's also okay to talk about these things, right? Like, I think it's important to destigmatize talking about money. This is a topic that brings up so much shame and self-consciousness for people. And, and I've seen that response from people regardless of how much money they have in the bank account. And anything that you can do to just normalize talking very frankly about money, right? Acknowledging discrepancies in income acknowledging how privilege affects your access to money. The earlier you can have these conversations, I think the better. And ideally, you're in a relationship with someone or building a new relationship with someone where the two of you can be a team and can collaborate on ways to help make the ways that you spend money together feel appropriate, feel relaxing, and feel like it's supporting your relationship rather than making it a drag. Yeah. So we want to hear from all of you. We shared some of our ideas from our personal lives, but we want to hear from you. So our question of the week on our Instagram story is, what are your best creative ideas for fun and affordable dates? I'm really excited to see those suggestions because I, I love finding the things that are a little more unique than just the go have a picnic or have a hike or have a movie night, something like that. Like, How do you make it interesting? How do you make it yours? How do you make it special? I'm really excited to see these so that then the three of us get more ideas <laughs> yes, for our own take. <laughs> also, if you want to talk about this episode more, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is in the episode discussion channel on our Discord server, or you can post about it in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Multiamory.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.